Pastor Johnson's coming in here to talk about God. Let's, <laughs> let's freak him out. Yeah, well, good thing we have the Holy Spirit protecting us, man. We don't need nothing else. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Let's Get Deep podcast. In our selfie-obsessed culture, we have a desperate need to find answers in our heart and mind for the deepest questions about life. In this podcast, we'll open up dialogue about spiritual victory, where each person can seek and find what does it mean to be human. This is your host, Ben Johnson, and let's get deep. Here's uh, actually what I, what I always do on my show, Mitch, is um, I open with a verse, and uh, it's just a verse that's really been on my heart, and I think it's, uh, it's one that can get people to, to recognize who Jesus said he was, not who they think he was, but who he said he was. So we have in John 8:58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus was giving uh, a clear picture of who he's claiming to be. And a lot of people would say, yeah, Jesus was, you know, he was a good teacher. Um, the Pharisees thought that maybe he, he were a prophet, but... Um, Jesus was claiming that before Abraham was, he was. And that's um, obviously a picture of the Trinity, the Godhead, how God is Father, Son, and Spirit, that Jesus uh, existed before existence existed. So today we have Mitch Peterson on the show. Uh, Mitch is um, he's from Hancock, Michigan. And Mitch was living in Prague for the last eight years, you said, right? Four in Prague, before that five in Spain. Okay. Nine so, years in Europe. Nine years. Okay, so you're back and he's doing a little project. So Mitch, I'll just let you open up and talk about that a little bit. And uh, yeah, give a quick introduction to the people. Right on. So yeah, as you said, I'm from Hancock. We grew up, our fathers were good friends from the from the UP. Grew up apostolic in that Lutheran church. Um, and then obviously the big event in our my family's life was my father dying when I was 11. That kind of changed the trajectory of all of our lives. I ended up getting really interested in travel and language and just wanting to explore. And I would have done it in high school, but playing sports, I didn't want to miss any of the games and stuff. So I knew, but I knew once I finished high school, I was going to study abroad, which I did. Went to Finlandia, created a program to study abroad there, went to Spain, Costa Rica, finished in business, but like that was my, what I graduated with. But then I just knew I wanted to live in Europe. So the easiest route, if you only have a bachelor's, is to teach English. So hopped on a plane to Spain, was there for five years, wanted to switch it up, went to Prague for four years. And yeah, as you said, I started a new project. Nine years gone, I was missing America a bit or looking at it from 4,000 miles for so long. Um, I have a different perspective on it, rural America, and yeah, I wanted to come back and explore it and having a huge apostolic family, I've had this idea in the back of my mind, it would be really cool because I grew up without a father, but I have a million uncles. I thought it would be really cool to go and spend quality time with each uncle and see if I could learn anything, see what kind of, the, how that went and what I could, what I could learn and share with the general public more broadly. So that's kind of why I came back and that's what I'm working on. Been here for three weeks and uh, it's already been, uh, been pretty rewarding for sure. Mitch, I have a question for you. I think it's a good question to kind of open up with because, I mean, you're very open and honest about what you believe. And um, so I want to know, through through your lens, why do you think that you walked away from Christianity? Because I know that maybe when you were younger, you went to at least you went to church growing up, right? Sure. So what was the, what would you say is like the pivotal reason 
in your life that you kind of walked away from it? Um, yeah. yeah. Just start with that. That's great. That's a good question. I don't know if there's a pivotal moment or reason, but like growing up in it, having to go to Sunday school every Sunday morning, I never, never vibed on it all that hard. And But of course, my parents were in it. But then, as I mentioned, when my father died, my mother was really grief-stricken, obviously, right? And there were years where she was struggling, you know? And you could, I remember just being in the living room with my brothers and just like, you could just hear her just crying in the in her bedroom and you just didn't know what to do, you know? And through that, through her grief process, she got into more of an Eastern traditions of reading about Buddhism, Hinduism, reincarnation. You know, she's trying to make sense of it herself. And where, you know, where did my father go? What is the afterlife? All these things. She wasn't for whatever reason, she wasn't finding her own answers in Christianity or in the church that we grew up in, right? And so we kind of stopped going and she started to meditate. And we heard, I remember hearing those like, used to be sobs coming from her bedroom became like ohms. And when she started to meditate at the beginning, like the really loud, just um, and like you could just hear and it was like started her recovery transformation into the woman that she is, right? But because we stopped going to that church, and it is right, quite a strict Lutheran religion, right? And because, as far as I understand, most people there think they are the only ones going to heaven, right? This group, this sect, apostolics, we're the ones, we're the chosen, we have the correct path. And if you aren't following this, then you're going to hell, right? So a lot of people from that church thought my mother and our family were going to hell and that she was, she left some path and she is now a sinner, a heathen, or whatever, right? And because she didn't force us to continue to go there, right, people were talking behind her back and talking negatively about her, and that would really affect her, right? Because those are people that she had known for 40 years, right? And I could see how it negatively affected her and how those words hurt. And for me, it's how do you pretend to be following Jesus, love thy neighbor, let he who be without sin cast the first stone? How are you pretending to be doing this when you're talking poorly about a single mother who's raised six children on her own, right? And not only did she raise us, she got us, we all graduated college, you know, nobody, like, no drug addictions, we're all, well, we're all doing well, right? And if, when I tell people in other countries, that's, yeah, my mother, well, was ages seven to 17, she raised six of us on her own, we all got through college, we're all happy, decently balanced adults. They're like, holy shit, that's a miracle, good for her, what a powerful, unbelievable woman. You tell that story in the church we grew up in and it's a tragedy. They tell they, their perspective, that's a tragedy that you left the chosen group and now you're all gonna burn in hell for eternity. And so for me, I know my mother's amazing and like, if that's the religion, if your book, your philosophy, your ideology, if you come to the conclusion that she did something wrong there, I just have a disagreement with that. Mm. You made some, hey, thanks for sharing, man. That's. First of all, I'm sorry, man. Like, you, you need to have people that are around you in, in any church, any establishment, and coming at you with fully knowing that you're going through a grieving process and just not being so quick to throw, like, to, like you said, throw the first stone or judge. It's not a Christian's position in that moment to ever become, well, God. And... And to understand, try to understand that in a human perspective is, well, let's just go to God's word. This is the first one that I came up with or in my mind because I think that Jesus spoke really harshly to the religious people, the people that felt like they're a shoe into heaven. 
Jesus spoke really harshly towards those, towards those people. He was never just kind of giving them soft words of encouragement. He was always going at them pretty harshly. And, and um, Jesus says in Matthew 23, 27 through 28, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, every hypocrite can look at anybody and say, you're a hypocrite, right? Every single person. There's no one that's free of that. Universal. It's universal, right? Um, so whenever we're looking at our own life, we have to go to God's word about it and think, okay, if these people are severely concerned for my well-being and they're telling me that I'm going to hell, on what merit are they saying that on? Where, where in God's word are you trying to show me that I'm going to hell right now? If I died tomorrow, I'd be in hell. Because that's a theological question. You know, we talked about it earlier. Origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Four questions we have to answer. Where do we come from? Origin, meaning. What is the meaning of my life at its core? Um, morality. How do we differentiate between good and evil and destiny? Where will I go when I die? Every single human is going to have to be faced those questions one day. And so when we look at that question, how do we differentiate between good and evil? Jesus does for us really well. You know, he, he just showed us right there that you can look like you're good on the outside, but God says, if you're on the, in, on the inside, if you're full of dead bones, I'm going to reject you. You know, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, depart from me. Um, he's talking to a certain people that are knocking on the door when Jesus returns, begging him to come in, or begging Jesus to let them in. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. He's, ta- he's talking to the people that felt like they just had it all together in their life. They were never in need of anything. You know, mm-hmm. so strong on their own that they don't need a savior. They don't need this. They don't need that. They have it all. Mm-hmm. And it could be in religion. So Jesus is always warning us of that. So there's a difference between religion and relationship. But another verse that I think we should go to is because it's just going to teach, it's going to help us all remember. Jesus asked uh, this rich man that came up to him. Um, this rich man came up to him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Immediately he comes back at him with a question that I love. He says, why do you call me good? Why do you think Jesus asked that guy that question? I mean, that's a, he came right at him. Why do you call me good? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and we have to be able to answer that question, right? Why do you call me good? That's, that's an important emphasis because we are trying to discern between good and evil in our life all the time. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the news, evil. We're seeing that, probably yeah. good. Oh, that's evil. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says, why do you call me good? And he, we just talked about it, Jesus only proclaimed to be before Abraham. He didn't proclaim to be just the prophet or the good teacher. He's, no, I am God. I'm God in human flesh. Mm-hmm. So he says, why do you call me good to this man? He says, no one is good except God alone. This is Mark ten eighteen. in case you're following along here. He says, you know the commandments to this guy. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. So this man thinks he's been following all these laws just perfectly mm-hmm. since his youth up. He's feeling pretty good about himself, right? So how must I inherit eternal life then, Jesus? And he says, Jesus comes right at him. He says, And looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor. Then 
Then he says, sorry, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. But this man was saddened because he went away grieving for he was one who owned a lot of property. So Jesus looked around and says, how hard is it going to be, how hard is it going to be to enter the kingdom of heaven if you're wealthy? So yeah, that's needle, right? or the easier to fit a camel through the eye of the needle. That's a quote somewhere, right? Yeah, but bigger than that, Jesus is saying, I'm, he says, you're not good. Nobody, none of you guys don't think you're good. Mm. You're not. You're sinful. You have flesh waging war against your soul every single day. I am the good one. I'm the spotless lamb. He claimed that, right? I'm the spotless lamb. I'm the only human that will ever exist and be good on this life. Everybody else, far from it. Me, perfect. There's a separation there. The word holy in the Bible, it actually, the, the main meaning of holy is, is separate, different, right? It's, it's so set apart from humans. It's a supernatural God. It's, it's, a, it's the deity. The, the whole essence of logic is wrapped up in Jesus. He's the Logos. So when I'm, when I'm reading these scriptures, I'm always, what I'm doing is I'm reading myself. Every time I read the scriptures because I'm saying, okay, first of all, if I think I'm, I've been pretty good in the last week, I should probably confess that I'm not to God right now. And I should probably ask God to help me realize how ill I am so that maybe I'll have actually the ability to love my neighbor a little bit better. Yeah, the the I'm a sinner piece is a big thing in the apostolic church. Is like we are all sinners. But don't, or like, can we elevate? Can we get close? Or like, isn't that part of the thing is for or at least I'm trying to every year be a little bit better, be a little more gentle, be more loving, try to embody that essence much more. Um, where I don't really like that framing of, yeah, I am the better, I'm the good, and then everyone else you are not, right? Because I see a lot of beauty in humans, right? We have that beauty, that beauty in that heart, and I think with, it's not an easy thing, and it is everyday battle, but with, with practice, we can come as close to possible as embodying that loving nature and sharing positivity and goodness in the world, right? Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. If I ever went up to my friend and said, man, you just embody Jesus to me, you know, that would be an encouraging thing for someone to hear. Um, but it might actually get them to sit back and think, how on earth have I been anything like Jesus in the last three days? You know, so I'm not saying that people are just like, just write them off. Don't give them a chance in life. They're not. Mm-hmm. People people change. And, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, the Bible says, unless you're born again, you can't see his kingdom. John chapter 3. So what does that even mean to be born again? Well, Jesus isn't saying like, be, be born out of your mother's womb again. That's impossible. That's what Nicodemus thought, the, the most outwardly religious man, like the guy that seemed like, okay, he's a shoe into heaven. This guy asked him, how can I be born again? What does this even mean? Jesus says, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter my kingdom. So there's a subjective work that God is doing inside of you in our life. He's, he's not giving up on any humans, right? Even if like people are really, let's say, demon-possessed and in a dark hole, maybe that's what God's using to actually draw them to the Savior, to the light of the world. You know, for me, that's exactly what I felt like. I had a real dark-to-light experience mm-hmm. inside, of a, inside of a pit, literally. So... He's not writing us off. And I think part of, um, part of this is to understand that Lutherans believe that the second we're baptized as infants, that God objectively wrapped you up in the gospel and, and has washed you from the inside. But 
we have a whole war going on that we have to realize after that time. Mm. We're not, as infants, we don't know what we're thinking often. We're, we're just doing. But then there's time to, to grow and learn and, and to, to begin to actually think critically and, and wonder, okay, how is God working through this? Is, is God in this? And then there's a whole lot of, uh, obviously, confusion in the world that mm. we have to get through. But God's word is true. And he says that if we're baptized and believe, in the end we'll be saved. Yeah. So we take that literally in the Lutheran church. And same with like, you know, like you're saying the I'm a sinner part. Mm-hmm. We take that literally. We are sinners. Yeah, of course. But to a degree. Um, but I'm also curious what you think of other traditions in terms of other cultures. You know, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Taoist tradition where, of course, or one of the things you asked me to get this kicking was like, are you openly agnostic? And I was like, no, I like I do. And I, I said, use the term faith. Like I do have a faith. I do believe in something. I'm definitely not a Christian. I don't, as I mentioned before, the word God for me is not the one I prefer to use. But like a lot of the, the same sentences, if you just replace the God with universe or something, like I can vibe with it. The message is usually there, right? But like, I do have a spiritual life and I think that is internal to humans where any culture throughout the world they did have ritual spiritual things that they were doing right to try to explain the unknowable try to get that moral code and try to you know like it's an I think it's an innate part of being a human but I think that yeah if you grew up in China right you're not going to be a Christian but I think there's many well probably not the pro- the probability is much lower much lower but I think there there's many ways up that mountain to being a good person to having a good life right and if you grow up in the west yeah you learn a christian tradition and some people utilize that to be a good person and they go up this mountain of being a good person where if you were born in a different country i think throughout time we've created different spiritual texts spiritual practices to get that same feeling of touching the eternal what a christian would call god what a muslim would call allah right it's that same force, life force, whatever you want to call it, right? I prefer the term the universe, right? But I think throughout history, different cultures have had different prophets who have embodied that, embodied love and figured that out. In the Christian tradition, it was Jesus that everyone started to follow, right? Who embodied that. And that's, but like I look at it from a a global perspective where there's, and through meditation, through different practices, I have felt that love and that eternity. And that is why I'm a spiritual person. And that trauma from losing my father, I needed to make sense of that, right? And so I was reading books on spirituality and reincarnation and those things to try to make sense of it. And it opened my mind to a human journey and a human evolution. And what is being a person in this flesh and blood on this planet, part of that is having a spiritual practice. And I don't care what you want to call it, what book you want to follow. If you're being a good person, if you're sharing positivity and spreading love, embodying love, like I think we're all going up that mountain. Like that's how I kind of see it, where I don't think it's Christian specific in my perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's obvious clear distinctions there because when Jesus came to preach more about hell than about heaven, it wasn't because he didn't love people. It was always because this is my fair warning. This is my, my, my perfect word. And God's word, if it's true, it cannot be a lie. That's where I always like, it's like we, we've lost the, the art of non-contradictory where if, it's, if it can't be A, then, or if, it, if, it's, uh, if it's, it can't be both black and white at the same time is what I'm saying. It's either true or it's not. And then what God does is the Bible promises that he's going to send us his helper. 
You know what that helper means? It means the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what discerns between truth and lies in our heart. And I think when we read scripture, and this is not this is not me bashing Buddhism or, or any kind of ism or schism, because honestly, like you said, the golden rule, that's going to take civilization in a good direction of some sort, right? But Christianity, it's exclusivity cannot be mistaken. And when I... When I have like those moments where it's so deep, you can't even put it to words. Like I had visions in prison. Like I had like an actual, I had visions of your family in prison, Mitch. Damn. Yeah. No, like I had visions of your family. And that's why I was like immediately like praying like, Lord, this is cool. Like I can talk to Mitch, you know? Um, And then on top of it, I had, I had a vision of Jesus in prison and, and, and he had his hands cupped and he released his hands like this and a Holy Spirit went, went flying. The, the Holy Spirit is the, the dove we know. So a dove went flying straight up. And as soon as that dove went flying straight up, I went straight up with it. And, and as soon as that happened, I remember feeling like a shiver, like a, sh- like a holy shiver in my bones. Like, how is this happening? Yeah. What is this? I've never had a vision like this before. And so God, God comes as peace, right? We know that God is, is peace. He's the, a peace that makes no sense. The, the Bible calls it. And Jeremiah, um, I'm always reminded of this because Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. He was before Jesus. And God had given Jeremiah um, all, all these messages to tell the Israelites, those stubborn people, those hard-hearted, you know, stiff-necked people, go and give him my message. And, and Jeremiah was always going in there with a trembling. But in Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 8, he says, Thus saith the Lord, I'm putting before you the way of death and the way of life. So there's, there's only, the Bible says that there's, there's one way to finding life and it's abundant life and it's life now, not a life that's hocus pocus. Okay. I'll feel it later. It's right now and it's through the Holy Spirit. And, and so when we die, we know that we're getting something that we can never earn nor deserve. And Jesus had to go through absolute torment to give it to us, right? We can receive that message or we can reject it and spit it out. But the book of Revelation talks in, in 21 that, that Jesus is going to spit out those who are lukewarm. He's going to spit out people that don't actually love him. You know, it's like, I can say I love Jesus. I can sit in my mind a thousand times a day and say, God, you're good. God, you're good. God, you're good. God, you're good. But unless I actually believe that God is good, I would really be just saying probably like, like a false reassurance. Mm. I believe that God is good, even in my suffering, but I know it because his word says it. I don't just think it. It's like God said he's good. I believe that I cling on to that. But the reason is because the resurrection. If anyone can tell me that the resurrection didn't happen. And another thing to think about is why did Jesus not resurrect with the spirit? He said, I'm going to resurrect bodily. And he did. And he revealed himself to 500 people after he revealed himself to many. And Thomas, the skeptic, Thomas, Thomas is the one out of the 12 disciples. He was the skeptic. He said, I'm not going to believe unless the Lord shows me the, 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 the hole in his hand, the scar in his side. And boom, Jesus reveals himself to him. I don't know if, how much later. And he says, Thomas, don't be unbelieving. And he says, peace be unto you. And he says, put your hands in my, in my scar. And then Thomas goes, what does he do after that? He went to Asia and he was, and he is actually hung and for his faith. So it's like, why did people die for that faith? Think about that. Mm. Why would anyone die for that faith? If it's just hocus pocus. There was a period where if you would have said you had visions, right? They would have hung you. Christians would have hung you, right? For visions? Like for, for many things, right? Because it was historically well, it's played much more of a political role than 
are depending on where it is right like christianity catholicism lutheranism like they get kings split up and switch alliances because of politics right and part of that was power and control and it was political so if you were a person who was not following what the church was saying at some time especially historically right and you're saying no i'm having these visions and they're doing it wrong over here in this church that they're teaching and we should be doing this right you are screwed right like there's a famous in the center of prague is a statue of jan hus and he 13th century preacher but he had problems with the catholic church and at that time the czech republic was part of the holy roman empire and yeah they he was like 100 150 years before martin luther he was kind of like the pre-martin luther and he yeah wanted to change things up get rid of the corruption all the you know princes just buying for salvation you know paying for it and yeah they hung him because it was a political organization much more than a spiritual and i think organized religion can often be used in that sense and used as a political tool for nation states for politicians for kings to say we are against them and i'm trying to get more power and we should go fight them because they have a different religion when really actually i kind of want to steal their resources you know mm -hmm. so like that's another thing that kind of organized religion in general is not something i partake in but what did you what did what did luther say in his 95 theses when he separated from catholic church you remember you tell me it was a bunch of, about corruption and how the catholic church was you know a bunch of bunch of yeah you know, but his intro was that. his yeah. intro was brilliant he said i'm here to elucidate the truth nice. simple yeah i i want you guys to realize what you're what you're doing is non-biblical mm -hmm. i'm gonna bring the bible back and i'm gonna show you guys god says that we're justified so there's there's the sola scripture right we know that it's by faith it's by grace alone through faith alone and christ alone right that's what we're saved by but it's according to scripture alone. There's no other book that has this manual for human life. So, so Luther's saying this is what the church is going to be built on, the foundation of it. And actually, when you look at the foundation of the church, it's not Christ. Christ is the cornerstone. The foundations are the apostles and the prophets. So those are the guys that, became, that came before Christ, and obviously we know the apostles are. Mm. And actually, I would consider myself an ambassador, an apostle, right? I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died again for my sin. I believe that I'm going to have eternal life through him because of his death. So that makes me an ambassador and an apostle. A person that's out to preach the good news to people. That's it. Like, yeah. it's simple. God uses human agents to go forward and spread the word of love, right? Do yeah, I like that. Spread the word of love, for sure. Do you go to the apostolic church here, or have you switched? Are you non-denominational? What's your, if you had, like, the, are there labels on it? That's been a really, that's a good question. That's been a really hard thing for me since uh, actually leaving prison was, Lord, where do I go? You know, I know I'm yours, but where do you want me? And now, um, definitely a Lutheran, proclaiming to be uh, a Lutheran. And the reason is, is because I love the Lutheran doctrine. I think it's accurate, biblical. Um, the Nicene Creed would be a great thing to look up right now and read because the Nicene Creed is very clear about what our church confessions are. You know, whenever, every time you confess something in the church, it's a, the confession means like we are in unity of thought about that. And, it, and it's Really, what gives any church unity of thought, it's through the sacraments. That's that's um, Lord's Supper and infant baptism for our church, right? That's what gives us a unity of thought and a unity of agreement on Jesus. Now, anytime you see corruption in a church, which is every church, but some's major, some's minor, some's shuffled under the rug, some's exposed, some's not, you know, Jesus is going to be the one. He's the vengeance maker in life. He's the judge, the just judge that... You know, people often question, how can God be both loving and judge? 
you know, that the two can't really, they seem like they're contrasting ideas. But God is perfectly just in everything that he's doing in this world, although he's not creating evil. He's not putting evil into our hearts or minds. Mm. That's the enemy. That's what the Bible calls a Satan, right? Like Satan's out. He's trying to get people to believe the lie when they say, when they see with but not through the eye. William Blake, one of my, one of my pretty cool uh, poet, he's like, through this life's dim windows of the soul distorts the heavens from pole to pole and goads us to believe a lie when we see with but not through the eye. And I think that's exactly what we see happening. God didn't say in the beginning it was the video. He said in the beginning it was the word. And so we have all this video out now. It's like people just watching videos all day. We shouldn't laugh about it. We should weep about it. It's, it's sick. And we need to have more word. People loving words. You ever look up the Hebrew dictionary? No. It's fascinating. It's like the first organized um, type of um, basically a, like, a, like a, a, a way for us to understand how the Hebrews saw this world is through their words, right? Mm. Um, so it's just interesting that... Uh, yeah, how much... Or like I've, I'm curious how you look at other, other religions because in my... How I see it is that a lot of them are speaking about the same thing, just with different language. And I like the God, you just put a different label on it, but they're talking about the same feeling, the same purpose, the same light, the sharing love, right? Like, But you see universalist churches, right? You know what universalism is? Like you see people that are saying that everyone's going to heaven, which the Bible does not, does not say that everyone's going to heaven. He says that, um, well, Jesus, we know, says that, Broad is the is the way to um, destruction, and narrow is the door to eternal life, and few will be walking on it. So, like a a child from a village in India who would never hear the word Jesus or Christianity or see a Bible in their life, right? What happens to that? A child? Or, yeah. Or, like someone. Even even if you grow up and you okay, you get to be twenty five, and you're a decent person, but you're in in an environment because there's the social environment in which we grow up creates the language and the lens through which we see the world, right? And the, the, a piece of that is the spirituality, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and that's why mm-hmm. I see humans in their tribes th- throughout the world, we created these spiritual practices and wrote these books and created these structures to elevate that mm-hmm. are supposedly supposed to get us to elevate to be a better person. I think other religions, other parts of the world have done that in their own way, with their own perspective, with their own prophets, but to ultimately to reach the same goal where like, yeah, that little kid, He's never going to see, he doesn't know what Christianity is, doesn't know who Jesus is. He's never going to hear it because he's in an environment that it doesn't exist. It never existed. So, yeah, for me, it just, it doesn't sit right that billions of people who would never even have access, especially pre-internet or whatever, access to Christianity would be, you know, condemned to burn in hell for eternity when they never even had an opportunity to see Mm -hmm the Bible or hear what Jesus had to say if you think that the only way is through Jesus. I think there's many paths up that mountain and the language is different and the words are the the God word is different. But there's there's more than one way to climb up there, I think. In my that's how I how I make sense of it. Yeah. No, th- th- that's a legitimate question. A lot of people ask it obviously is because mm-hmm. we wonder like if God never brings a messenger, if God never brings a book, a Bible, right, to someone's feet to use or to to actually yeah so 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 basically my short answer is this i don't know right Mm -hmm. like i i think that i would need like more time to think about that question more and like think about it in depth because at the end of the day i think god can reveal himself through many different ways i don't think it's just through a book or just through a human i think like i said vision right like Mm -hmm. um it was c.s lewis who's who who quoted a man saying this he said 
They tell me, Lord, that when I pray, only one voice is heard. That I'm just streaming. You're not there. This whole thing is absurd. Maybe they're right, Lord. Maybe they're right. But if they're right, Lord, it's not me doing the dreaming. It's you. I'm, I am merely dreaming. You're the dreamer and I'm your dream. So it's like people think that we control, we control where we go. The reality is nobody goes out and finds God. God's always coming to us. But some people are in tune to that and some people are, are enslaved to the world, right? So to be conscious of that question and, 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 and answer it fairly, like I said, I don't know, but I still believe that God is a miracle maker and a miracle worker. And he can do things that are far beyond our understanding. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to tell a 12-year-old child in this, you know, like sitting on his cancer bed, like, if I don't know that you repented tonight, I think you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah. God is still the judge. And, and people can have, you know, um, you, you hear it all the time, is near-death experiences, right? I was just going to go there, actually. Because it, it, I get a lot more peace believing that, yeah, they're all going, you know? It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Hindu. If you're being a good person, if your karma's right, if you're spreading positivity, you're not being, you know, like, they're going for sure. And when my when I was a teenager, um, my mother had a bunch of the books on spirituality, right? And one of them was about, yeah, as you said, near-death experiences. People who legally, or not, not legally, but literally died, right, for a few minutes, mm -hmm. and then... Flatline, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't matter where they were from, what race they were, what religion they practiced, time and time again, they all see the same thing, right? They see a white light. They feel the essence of their loved ones. They f say they feel accepted and love, this overwhelming love and accepted for the first time. And they don't necessarily see the people who, you know, their parents, or their grandparents, or the people that ha had an impact on them, but they feel their energy, they feel their presence there. And then oftentimes people say that they have their do you want to go back? They get asked, do you want to go back or do you want to stay here? And then some are told like, no, you have more to do when you're there and go back. And they often, yeah, they come back and they go, shoot, I wish I could have stayed because it felt so good wherever I was, right? Or there's, Zach, you know the doctor, Zach Bush? Mm, no. He's a, he's a great doctor who's been on a bunch of podcasts, but he speaks in a language that is, I find extremely... It's beautiful. He speaks in a very spiritual language and he talks about one night when he was a doctor in an ER. He had three people flatline and he brought them all back. And he's like, that never really happens. And then he said, all three of them, when they came back, they're like, why did you do that? Why did you bring me back? You know? And I don't think they were Christians. I don't know their full history, but he said they, were th they couldn't be three different people. And they said, they all said the same thing, right? I felt this amazing love, this acceptance. Mm. Why did you bring me back to this place? You know, like, and that's how, as a teenager, I made sense of it and how I choose to still believe it is that, yeah, my soul is eternal. Whatever thy soul is, it's going there. If I'm doing, actually, yeah, I'm going there. And so is everyone else and I'll see you there, right? Like, I don't like the dogma of there's only one path and if you don't follow this one, then you're off. Where like, again, with the church we grew up in, it gets too dogmatic and then it can resort to those negative, you know, negative characteristics we were talking about of I'm judging and I'm better than you and you're not doing this and trying to like, it gets too dogmatic. And it's interesting or like uh, we spoke about, I spoke with the man, the elderly man from the old apostolic church where mm -hmm. 
the church we grew up in versus their church, 99.999% the same in terms of a global perspective or a Christian perspective, but each one is convinced they have the correct answer and the other one doesn't, and this group is going to heaven and that group is not, when you're 99.999% the same thing, like why can't you just like take a couple deep breaths, have a cup of coffee and be like, actually, we're both going. Like, it's okay. We're both going. We don't need to be so dogmatic that your women curl their hair and our women don't. And that means we're going and you're not, right? We don't need to let them do what they want to do. Just be a good person, the golden rule. You know, like we don't have to have so much ideologically driven, you know, like this is the one path, you know? Or again, that's how I see it. I don't like Mm -hmm. the with any organized religion or like trying to push if people want to find it go find it and you want to be a christian great and if it brings you joy and you're a better person for it hallelujah right but if you want to go do yoga and that makes you a better person and you're meditating and stuff and you're spreading more joy in the world awesome you don't like muslims as well there's some amazing you know like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter and i see it as the you just change the word god universe allah you know Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, fair enough, you know, like share what you need to share about your heart right now on here because this is the place to do it. Tune into the second part of this episode to hear the rest of our conversation. Until next time, let's get deep.